All right, this is our very, very first Coach Pod episode. And um, in these Coach Pod uh, podcasts, coaches here at MoFit, myself and uh, Corey here, we're going to be talking to different people. But on this very, very first one, we're going to actually just talk to Corey because she's very interesting. Uh, I mean, just look. How <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> she's got a microphone. <laughs> highly, highly interesting. No. So um, today we're going to talk about just kind of um, endurance um, events and the, what's what's attractive about them and how do you prepare for them. For a little background, Corey, you have recently completed a Ironman triathlon. Yeah, it was uh, just about a year ago. I did my first uh, full Ironman. Gotcha. Um, when you were, was, what what attracted you to the Ironman triathlon specifically? I know you've you've done other stuff too. I mean, you've done lots of crazy things, but why the yeah. Ironman specifically? Well. I'd done, like you said, I've, I've done a bunch of endurance events. Um, I'd done, you know, a bunch of half marathons. I did one full marathon. And after college, I got into triathlons. And I love triathlons. And um, the Ironman is just kind of the ultimate for if you're looking at triathlons and endurance and, and that kind of stuff that, you know, you, you want to do it. Like it was always kind of a bucket list thing for me. And, you know, some th- stuff happened in my life that brought me to it at that moment. And I said, you know, you're not getting any younger, so you might as well do it now. (laughs) But I always watched the Ironman, like my family, we would get together and and watch it. And just, it was always so inspiring, like all the stories, the people that, you know, not just the professional athletes, but all the people that were just living their everyday lives and training for such a crazy long event and succeeding at it. So uh, it always inspired me when I was younger and was something that I wanted to do. So an Ironman triathlon, just so I can recall, and just for people watching that may not know what it is, it's a full marathon, or it starts off with starts off with a swim. Yep. And the swim is two something miles, or two, how long is the swim? Two point four miles. Okay, so almost two and a half miles. Mm-hmm. And then it's the the bike is the next. bike. Yeah, it's one hundred twelve miles on the bike. Twelve miles. One hundred and twelve. One hundred. Jesus, one hundred twelve. <laughs> 12 that would have been easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you swim 2.4 miles and then you're going to go 112 miles on the bike and you hop off the bike and go directly mm-hmm. into a full Olympic style, Olympic length marathon. Yep. 26.2 so, miles at the end. Yep. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, cool. So um, you were kind enough to share a couple of photos with us here. Let's take a look at these real quick. This is you obviously on the biking portion. So you have already left the swim and this is the bike. And where, where was this one? So this was actually, this wasn't the Ironman. This was one of my lead up races. Um, this was over okay. in the St. Pete area. Um, it was one of the Olympic length distances that I did over there. Gotcha. That's that famous bridge over there in, in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure the name of it, but yeah, they had just like, it was, we were out on a little Island. It was actually like, there was like a fort out there. Um, yeah. and so it, we were the only ones out there. So it was a really cool race, but we just like went the whole way around the Island, um, on the bike. And there was the, the photographer at the end to catch the bridge. <laughs> and this is the end of the actual Ironman event, yep. right? <laughs> 9 PM, 14 hours later. That was the, the big finish. What's going through your mind when this picture was taken right here? You know, it was just, I had all these ideas, you know, as I was training, I had all these ideas of like what I was going to feel like at the end of the Ironman. I just imagined that there was going to be some sort of like, I don't know, I imagine like screaming or like some sort of like emotional release or something at the end. And I was just, I don't know, I felt like 
at peace. Like I was very calm at the end. Like all the people that came and were like supporting me were just like sobbing and they were so happy and they're like, why aren't you crying? And I was like, I'm just like, I feel so good. Like it was just like, also all of my emotions could have been just been deadened at that point. But, um, and it hit me later, but I was just, I was so happy. It was a year of training, you know, going into it. And just to be at the end, that point that I had been working for was just such an amazing feeling. So uh, it was it was definitely a memory of a lifetime. <laughs> well, this one here, this is obviously you're coming off the swim. Is this on the Ironman or one of your training events here? No, that was another one of the Olympic ones, too. That was actually... Um, it was probably the worst swim uh, that I've been through. Um, they uh, it, they started us off like, you know, you go in heats at the beginning of the um, swim. And so yeah. this one was, it was about a mile. Um, and uh, we started and there was crazy current from one side. And we're like, I don't know, like, you know, we were one of the first heats going in. And then like in the middle, we kind of heard that they were changing the course entirely. Like, so everyone else who was getting in after us was doing a completely different route because of the way the current was going. Because what happened was we got to a, a buoy where you're supposed to turn and the longest portion of our swim was directly against that crazy current. And so I swear I swam for like 10 minutes and did not pass that buoy. Like it was just like, I was like on like a swimming treadmill. Um, and they had, I mean, there was a, I think a 50% DNF on that swim. Like people just stopped the race altogether and just they let them finish split. the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. They were just like, I can't, you know, cause we had to do two laps of it. Um, and it, yeah, a lot of people didn't finish it. So that was one of the toughest swims, but it was kind of, um, it was funny. Like, I don't know. This made me realize something about how I handle difficult situations, but everyone's in the water and we're not being able to pass this buoy and we're all just kind of stopping and like looking and seeing if we're ever going to get out. And everyone is so mad. They're like, why are they making us do this? And I just started laughing because I was like, this is so ridiculous. I was like, we're never going to be able to finish a swim. But, um, but it was a cool experience. I was very proud of that race just for, you know, finishing that swim. You know, my time wasn't anything spectacular or anything like that, but just for kind of powering through that. That, that part was a good experience that prepped me for the longer distance in the in the ocean at the, the full event. Yeah, I would imagine. And that makes me wonder what goes through the mind of the people who who did who DNF'd. Um, and maybe they're not all training for Ironmans either. I mean, we, we don't know True. the backstories on that. And, but you yeah. think that this is a good opportunity to, to train your, you know, your mental grit to use a, right. a catchphrase. <laughs> It'd be a good I opportunity think, to push through. Yeah. I think a lot of people, especially triathletes, the, the swim is kind of the part that people get through. Like you find a lot, a lot of really strong runners and a lot of really strong cyclists that do triathlons and they all just like, because the swim is relative to everything else time-wise, it's shorter than everything else. So I think that a lot of times they're like, well, I just got to get through the swim to get to the stuff that I'm good at. And it's very easy if you're not like mentally prepared and if you don't, if you can't get your breathing right, um, to panic in the water. Um, and once you start panicking in the water, then there's really no, no getting out of it. Yeah. yeah. And there are people, there are boats and kayaks or people nearby to rescue you if that happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All the races are super well supported. There's always like the, the kayak crews and stuff nearby. So, but there was actually that one, there was like a pier, um, or, or like a little, yeah, a little pier out in the water that people kept getting stuck under because it was like pulling them into the <laughs> into that area. So people just kept grabbing onto the pier, and then the uh, the life or the support crews would have to go over and pull them out and then uh, take them back in. But I didn't know that until the end. <laughs>
When you're training for this, did you do anything specifically to simulate things that might happen in the triathlon? Like when you were doing long swims, did you um, did you do anything to simulate things that could go wrong on the swim or on the bike? Or like, for example, on the long on a bike when you're doing training rides, did you pretend to have a malfunction or anything like that to deal with it or any any kind of dress rehearsal for issues like that? Yeah. Well, I try to do as many races as possible. A lot of lead up races, even just like Olympic length, because that's the best test of, you know, for things that are going wrong. And I tried to do like the terrain, uh, especially the swim. Um, I started, so the swim for the Ironman was in the ocean. It was in the Gulf. And uh, um, I was doing a lot of my training in the pool. And I was like, I really want to get some more open water swims outside of the race. So I found a, um, there's a group of open water swimmers uh, that go out almost every day. It's an awesome group of people. (laughs) And they just like do all their training. They just like head out Cocoa Beach and then just jump into the water, go swim a mile and then come back in. And then that's their training. So that was super intimidating to me because at race, you do have like the support, the kayaks, all that kind of stuff. And here it's just like five people just going out in the water and swimming a mile together. So, um, so that was really good training because I got to practice with the waves and the current, um, and uh, just kind of dealing with the, you know, the potential like nerves and kind of like a panic of like, you see something in the water or like, you know, a big wave hits you and just kind of staying calm in those moments. Um, the the things going on on a bike was honestly my biggest concern um, because I kept having intentions of, you know, going to like classes of like how to like, you know, uh, really effectively change the flat or like, you know, mechanical things that go wrong on the bike. And I actually ended up getting a new bike towards the end of my training. So I wasn't even as familiar with the bike that I had when I was going into the race. Um, so oh, my man. biggest fear was like getting something like that along the 112 miles and they have support there, but you, you would have to wait for them to get to you. Um, and it could really damage your time and put you over the limit. Um, but yeah, so I definitely tried to, um, I tried to do things like you're not allowed to use headphones um, during the Ironman. So trying to do those long distances, like without any music or podcasts or anything like that, um, tried to simulate some of that. But yeah, just trying to keep it as close to, to race as possible. But That's interesting. I didn't know that. And, and, but I guess that makes sense because if it gives you an advantage, if you're listening to some rock and roll in your headphones and somebody else sure. doesn't yeah. have an advantage. <laughs> So they just yeah. make it a clean slate and nobody has that advantage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you can pace based on uh, certain songs and things like that. But I think it's also a safety thing. Like they want you to be sure. aware because you're running through cities and that yeah. kind of stuff that, you know, on the side of the road. So they want to make sure that you're hearing everything around you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, race day, day of the race. Okay. It's the, it's the morning, the beginning you wake up, you've gone to bed the night before you wake up. It's the morning of the Ironman triathlon. Okay. Yeah. What'd you do? Or did you have any, any kind of pre-race ritual that you went through? Or do you have a, a, a typical thing that you always do before an, an endurance event? What's your, what's your routine that morning? So I love race day. Um, it's one of the reasons that I sign up for all these things. I, I get so much energy off of like everyone around. So, um, I mean, the morning of there's definitely like, I mean, I had my food all planned out. Like nutrition is super important um, for an endurance event like that, because if you don't manage your nutrition, then you're not going to be able to finish no matter how fit you are. Um, so I had worked with a dietitian and, you know, gotten my, you know, what I was going to have. So I woke up, I had oatmeal, I had some hard boiled eggs for some protein, and then I had like a bagel and everything 
thing to to do right before so to get that carb hit a little before the um the swim but i mean the morning of you're going out there and you're setting up your bike you're setting up the transition area you're making sure everything is laid out as well as possible um I went out with my sister. She is, uh, you know, everyone else kind of came a little later, but my sister is like, I always tell her she should have a job as a race supporter. She always like makes the shirts and like cheers for everyone. So she kind of keeps me calm, like at the beginning. So we just kind of go out and take in the full uh, environment of everyone being out there. And uh, it's great just, I mean, everyone's just, I love the events because you know, when you're just like in <laughs> talking to everyone and telling them that you're doing this crazy thing, they're always very supportive, but they're just like, well, why? Like, why would you want to do this? And then you get to this event and there's hundreds and hundreds of people who had decided to do this too. <laughs> so you just feel like you're in like a very kindred community of crazy people that want to do these type of events. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've done like joint <laughs> stuff myself. Nothing as crazy as absolutely. an Ironman. Oh, but, you've done some crazy um, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's a totally nothing for the duration of an Iron Man anyway. Um, sure. <laughs> but you know, you're 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 definitely in a in a group of like minded freaks that that like to do these things. Um, <laughs> and, and I I know from talking to you in the past, I think that you've you've mentioned to me that you've kind of checked that box, right? For the for the Iron Man. You probably aren't gonna yeah. do another one. I don't but, think so. Yeah. I mean, but, but never say never, right? But never say never, yeah. Tell me if you have this, if you have this experience too, when, when a, you know, I, I, for one have anxiety for weeks leading up to a, a big endurance event that I'm doing and then, and then I do it and I nail it and then, um, it's over. And I, for one have to, I'm a real happy go lucky person by nature. I don't, you know, depression isn't really a, a thing I've ever, I don't think dealt with, but I think the closest I've ever come to feeling depressed was once the event was over. And it's yeah. done. And what now? Uh, do you right. go through that? Absolutely. Uh, post-race depression is, is a real thing, <laughs> especially for a major event that you've been training for that's taken over a lot of your life. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, just, you know, as, on a personal note, one of the reasons that I did sign up for this was my dad had passed away the year before and I was using the training in like his name and like as a way to kind of process my grief, like to go through like this big thing. And, you know, I, I've always used exercise as kind of a way to, to manage and process. So, um, so there was that component as well. Like I'd done this whole thing for this whole year to, uh, uh, in his name and like for myself, and then it was over <laughs> and it was kind of two-sided in that. Like I did feel that like, I got to a point where, um, when I finished the race, I was like, I had reached, I mean, I don't know if like, like closure is even a real thing, but like, I felt like I had some sort of closure, like in my grief and that, because I just, you know, I had this point, but then it was like, okay, now what, now I just have to like exist in normal. Like I, everything was focused towards this race for that entire year. And, uh, um, for a couple of days, I was like, oh, good. I'm like free again. I can like do things. I can play tennis. I can go back to the gym normally and like do that kind of stuff. But then, you know, you really do start to to miss it and crave that that lifestyle again. So it doesn't take me long to sign up for something else. Um, like you said, I, I don't think I'm going to do like a long one like that, but just kind of taking a smaller thing and focusing my energy back there is always good. <laughs> my way out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um 
Final final question for you. What is your best advice for somebody who is probably already been thinking about this? This isn't, you know, I'm going to run a triathlon or I'm going to do a, a crazy, uh, I'm going to climb Mount Everest or anything. Those aren't things that somebody wakes up one morning and, and does. So somebody's probably friends. <laughs> but if somebody finally pulls the the plug mentally in their in their brain and they go and they sign up for something, what's your advice? How do they? What do they do next? Yeah. So. Um... This is kind of, especially, I mean, just speaking specifically to the Ironman, um, it's kind of a, like a fringe event. Like, I mean, it's not something that, you know, you can just train for like a normal person and just kind of like wing it. Um, I do recommend finding either a good training plan or even a coach. Like if you don't have experience in it um, from before, I hired a coach just because I wanted to, maybe this was my one shot. I wanted to make sure that I did it right. Um, So having someone to kind of guide you in, I hired someone both for the actual race itself, like the exercise. And then also, like I said, I worked with a dietitian um, and uh, getting your nutrition dialed in, um, eating for endurance events is not like normal. (laughs) Like it's not like you really have to do it carefully and space it out correctly. Um, So there's just a lot of very like small specific things that you need to know that if you don't already have that knowledge, then, you know, find that resource somewhere else. And you don't have to go out and pay a ton of money for it. I mean, just find communities of, um, of coaches. I mean, Facebook, there's a bunch of like triathlete groups that are super, super helpful and things like that. So, um, I would say definitely uh, find support in that way. And the other big thing is that, you know, this is going to take up a lot of your life (laughs) for a while. Um, So make sure that your, uh, your support group is on board. Um, Like I have a young son uh, and I was going out and just on the weekends, uh, riding for seven hours. And if my husband wasn't on board with that and, you know, supportive of that, then that could have been very challenging um, to make that happen. So make sure that you have your support group, um, everyone in on board and that they understand like what this commitment is going to be and how important it is for you. Yeah. And I think one important thing that I heard you say there in in, to kind of paraphrase is, um, is get a coach right? Yeah. Because I don't care how good of an athlete you are or how much of an expert you really actually are in any given subject, but you, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Just by the very nature of what not knowing something means. So right. you're not aware of what you're not aware of. And, I, and that's something mm-hmm. that a coach on, um, you know, I think even the most elite people in their field in any field should still have a coach that helps. And I think that's an important part of what you just Agreed. said. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks for, thanks for the, the time this morning, Corey. Yeah, um, absolutely. So this, is, this is our very, very first uh, coach pod. So Corey also is a coach. Group, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, she, she coaches some classes every now and then, and you're our yoga instructor as well. Um, yep. And so we're going to, we're going to over the, you know, we're going to try for a couple of times a month to, to record a podcast and we'll find some experts or some uh, people who are uh, uh, knowledgeable in various fields that have at least something to do with fitness. And um, we'll, 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 record in this format and, and, uh, and interview them. Uh, so hopefully we'll get myself and you and some of the other coaches. Um, it'd be cool to get at least one of the other coaches and me to, to, to do the interviews. So we get a couple of different uh, angles when we're yeah, doing these. Sounds great. So looking forward to doing that. All right. Episode one down the tank. Thank you, Corey. <laughs> Thank you.